Until this month, the last time I drove from Massachusetts to Florida was with my now husband in the mid-1980s. Back then, we did it three different times, I think, between graduating from Smith College, or I graduated from Smith College in 1983, and getting married in 1989. Now, I wasn't sure exactly when the last time was, but I vividly remember hearing George Michael's song, Father Figure, and Don Henley's Boys of Summer endlessly, endlessly on all the radio stations we passed through. So with the help of Google, that means it was probably in February 1988. Thanks, Google. At that time, my husband did virtually all of the driving until... Until, that is, it became obvious that he couldn't read the exit signs and needed to get glasses as soon as possible, (laughs) something I don't think I fully realized until around Georgia. But anyway, last week, as some of you know, for the first time in my life, I did the entire drive all by myself, and it was honestly very uneventful, except for one particular thing. One particular thing really hit home for me in a very, very visceral way. And that rather short story is the topic for today's rather short episode. Hey, Veg Heads, Veg Your Besties, welcome back to Veg Your Best. My name is Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here every single week to encourage you to eat more plants and to take on an impossible goal. An impossible goal just because it's good for you to blow your own mind once in a while. So today is episode 76 And it's going to be a short one, a short one, because I think I'm going to share something that I experienced on my solo road trip to Florida last week. Now, I expected that I would be telling you about the trip a little bit, telling you something about, well, probably how I ate or where I ate on the road, on the I-95 corridor from New England to Florida. But you know, No, it's not really what I'm here to report on. I had an experience that I did not anticipate. And you know, I don't want to, what's the word? I don't want to drag the story out too long today because I think enough is enough just to say it. You know, sometimes when I'm trying to explain a certain life coaching tool or concept here, I repeat myself. I try and come up with a few different ways to illustrate an idea, but not today. A little briefer, a little more to the point. So I left New England on Tuesday, February 1st, late afternoon, late afternoon. I had to drop some things off in Westport, Connecticut around 5. Then I found myself proceeding through New York City in pretty heavy traffic, but not too, too bad. And I made it that night around 9 p.m. to Aberdeen, Maryland. So the next day, I was up fairly early and on the road, and my goal was to get to South Carolina or maybe Georgia. 
And again, a very smooth drive. And the heaviest traffic was basically over somewhere around Washington, D.C. or Richmond. It was not bad. And the weather was so clear and sunny. And with the more relaxed driving conditions after I got through Richmond, I was able to start looking around a little bit and notice things and notice what was around me and notice what was different from my home in New England. And when I got to North Carolina in the afternoon, I saw something that was a reminder that I was not in Massachusetts anymore. Now, there are obviously a lot of trucks on I-95, but I noticed a very different kind of truck, a large truck with open slatted sides filled with pigs. Now, the first glimpse I had was that there were pigs pressed up against the sides, some snouts and ears. And these are alive pigs to the best of my ability to see. They were alive. They were looking through the slats. In some cases, I saw their bodies pressed up against the sides of the slats. And I couldn't see how many were in. Obviously, I was driving about 70 miles an hour and passing the truck, but they were live pigs to the best of my ability to have seen them. And I don't know. I don't know if they were packed in or if they were in comfortable numbers within. There's no way for me to say. And as someone who does this work here, a vegan life coach, and as someone who spent time deconditioning myself from animal products after, you know, after having been desensitized to the way animals are treated and used for decades, I was taken aback. It was something I hadn't seen before. And I can't really say that I ever remember having seen a truck of pigs, a truck full of pigs. Maybe, maybe I had, and of course they existed, but I couldn't remember ever having seen one. So I tried. I made a kind of a mental effort at the time to try and remember this truck, remember and witness and notice and be present to what I was seeing. A farm truck filled with pigs. And I found myself trying to imagine and hope that they were all going somewhere where they would be fed and cared for. But I mean, I was near Smithfield, North Carolina. It didn't seem likely. But of course, I don't know. And I have no way of knowing for sure. And of course, also, my first job was to drive safely. But I decided that my second job was to witness and remember the truck and the beings inside. Beings that I know, that I know are proven to be very social and intelligent and sensitive, and pigs are capable of relationships and infection, affection. So I had that kind of sick feeling that I was seeing this truck for some sort of reason, that I was witnessing this truck filled with pigs for some reason for me. But I passed the truck. And in a few minutes, I don't know how much longer, but not too much longer, afterwards I saw another truck, same style, and another truck, 
and another. And I've tried to estimate how many trucks with slatted sides filled with pigs that I saw that afternoon. And it was, well, it was definitely well over 20 similar trucks carrying pigs. Not in any kind of convoy per se. They didn't seem to all belong to any one farm, but just a lot of them in these maybe livestock carriers going in the same direction near Smithfield, North Carolina. And a few of the trucks seemed to be made of wooden slat sides, but most of the ones I saw were metal. And the animals were immediately recognizable as pigs. Many snouts and ears and fleshy backs and sides. And it was, yeah, very distracting. And I noticed that I really had to organize myself and pay more attention to the road. And at one point, I stopped seeing the trucks anymore. Around 5 p.m., I stopped for the night. I wanted to stop before dark. And anyway, I stopped in a town called Florence, South Carolina. Back in the 1980s, when we had driven through Florence, there had not been very much there. But these days, Florence is far, far more than just an exit with a couple of hotels and a Waffle House. It is three, four, five, I don't know how many exits. It's a lot of exits, and I could not even guess how many hotels, motels, restaurants, and stores are in Florence, but hundreds, hundreds of places to eat in a fairly small, population-wise anyway, city. So when I got out of the car to pump gas before heading to the motel, I found myself standing there waiting for the huge tanks <laughs> I don't know, it was empty, so it seemed like it took forever. I was waiting for the tank to fill, and I was looking around me at so many restaurants and fast food places and sandwich shops and rib joints and convenience stores all around me in that city of 40,000 people. So many places to eat, and it hit me. It hit me that not only was Florence, South Carolina, completely different than the tiny oasis of roadside services that was there in the 1980s. There was bacon in every single one of those hundreds of establishments. Of course there was. Of course there's bacon, and there's probably ham or ribs in most of them. Hundreds and hundreds of places in that small city I had just seen lots of pigs in trucks on my drive, but they would not have even supplied that city of Florence for more than a few days. And I think for the first time I had a small glimpse of the unfathomable numbers we're talking about. Numbers of animals being slaughtered every day, not once a season, not animals that are carefully tended and then have one bad day. Every day, thousands and thousands of pigs just in North Carolina. The numbers available online are various, and there were some, apparently some decreases in production during the past pandemic. But in many slaughterhouses just in North Carolina, they are set to slaughter up to 10,000 pigs per day. 10,000 per day. And the runoff, the water pollution, the worker conditions, the numbers are 
Well, for me, they were staggering. I had seen a lot of trucks with a lot of pigs, and statistically, it was nothing. It was nothing compared to the number of pigs being slaughtered just in that local area and the demand for pig meat just in that one small city of Florence, South Carolina. So there's no need for me to overstate this and drag it out. I think that I think that if you're still listening, that's probably enough for today. Because when we veg our best, we're looking for ways to opt out of this, opt out of what has become routinized and ubiquitous, but invisible in our culture. And that animal slaughter isn't invisible because it's not there to see. It's there to see, all right, but we don't see it. I never saw it quite in this way. And even when we do see it, even when we do see it, the numbers are so staggering that it doesn't really even compute. It doesn't even seem possible to imagine. And it's tempting, too, to just try and block it out or put it out of mind. Anyway, if you've stopped eating animals, there's more to do. There's more for us to learn. There's more for us to witness and advocate for. And if you are still eating animals and you want to start opting out, you can make a difference. Don't let anyone tell you it won't matter. I agree it seems impossible to make a difference. Yes, it seems overwhelming. But I believe every person who opts out of this industrial agricultural system is making an enormous difference because you're demonstrating first and foremost that it's possible, that it can be done. If you're struggling with it, please ask me or ask someone else to help encourage you and cheer you along or mentor you. And if you are vegan or plant-based, please keep looking for how we can encourage and mentor and teach and model. We've got a lot to do here, kids. Veg your best. And when you've vegged your best, look for little ways to do it just a little bit better. Because we can. We can all do just a little bit better. Okay. I'll see you next week. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.